0: And I'm, I might have oversold the party just a little bit, but uh, if you come next week, it will be the greatest party you've attended this summer, I promise you that, uh, but a lot of that depends on you. Uh, so uh, we invite you to our house, we're going to hang out, have a chill night, have some fun, uh, and get to know each other a little better and, and build some community. Um, I, I tell you what, I, I wanted to let you guys know of something that I'm doing this year, um, just so you could... Uh, Pray for me. Uh, the last couple years, uh, I don't know if you know this, but the last couple years have been challenging, right? It's been challenging for everyone, uh, regardless of where you are, what your job is, your family situation, all that. Everything over the last couple years has challenged us. And so uh, I found that it's been especially challenging as a pastor, and I talked to my pastor friends, and it has been challenging across the board uh, over the last couple of years. And so I knew coming into this year that I needed something uh, fresh uh, to kind of feed me as a pastor, uh, to spe- feed my spiritual life, to feed my professional life. And so uh, I signed up and got applied for and got accepted into this cohort uh, that is a national cohort. Uh, that a hundred pastors will be going, being a part of, and pastors from all over the United States, including some uh, internationally, uh, pastors that are uh, international, will be joining together for this cohort, where over the next six months, we'll be going to four different cities, and then intermixed with Zoom meetings in between. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, The whole heart of it is to talk about how we as pastors uh, foster a community of discipleship and a community of reaching the city for the gospel. And so I'm excited uh, to be part of this. And I want you to pray for me that this would be uh, a transformational experience for me. Uh, The first trip is in a week and a half. And so I pray that this would be a transformative experience for me, an experience that is refreshing for me as a pastor professionally, but also spiritually. So uh, however you want to pray for me, please go ahead, maybe write a note or uh, pray for me on a weekly basis. That'd be awesome uh, that this would be an amazing experience uh, for me and us as I bring all that back to lead the church. Uh, Turn with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, I want to go through this story and just ask some questions. In John chapter 9, verse 1, he says, As he went along, he saw a a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked Jesus a question. He says, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Interesting, at the time there was this thought, and sometimes you'll find this thought still within Christian circles, but there was this thought that, hey, Jesus, there is a blind guy here who messed up. Was it his parents that sinned, and, and so therefore he was born blind as a consequence of their sin? Or or did this guy somehow sin? Or or maybe Jesus, maybe God knew he was going to sin, and so he prematurely was born blind because of his sin. This was a serious question at the time. And if you pay close attention in Christian circles, you'll still find shards of this theology throughout thought. You're not connected to Jesus? Well, you must be sinning. Or this happened in your life, it must be a consequence of sin. Now, sometimes there are consequences of sin in our lives. Jesus responds, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now, this phrasing here is that God would be revealed in his life. And this phrasing here is, is written so that it's God will be revealed in all of our lives not just this man because he's blind but this is what God does if we allow him God reveals himself in and throughout our lives as long as it is day we must do some do the work of him who sent me night is coming when no one can work while I am in the world I am the light of the world. Jesus is reaffirming his claim in the previous chapter, in John 8, where he said, I am the light of the world. If you remember back to the beginning of John, this is a constant theme throughout the gospel, where John says, uh, the word Jesus moved into your neighborhood to be the light. The light that nothing can overcome. Darkness cannot overcome it. And so this story is really uh, interesting. Because here the disciples are kind of having this hypothetical conversation about this guy. Think, Jesus, in real time, you're walking with him, you're living with him, and you see a scenario, you go, hey, Jesus, what about this? I've had this question for a long time. A lot of people have had this question. What about this scenario, Jesus? And then Jesus goes and spits on the ground made some mud with a saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Now, does anybody else go, huh? <laughs> like, how, how do you move from a conversation of this guy's blind is it his parents' fault for sinning, or did he do something wrong? And then immediately, it goes to Jesus spitting in the ground and making some mud, and then wiping an eye on the guy's eyes. Let alone the fact that I wonder what this guy was thinking. Like we don't have this guy coming to Jesus asking for this, right? We just have Jesus walking up to him and doing this. And then Jesus says, go. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sense. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Put yourself in the story. What would that have been like? Maybe you'd imagine yourself as the blind man who's just sitting there living life Begging, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes up, rubs something on your eyes, tells you to go to this specific pool. You go there and you come out, and now you can see. Like, think about how amazing that would have been. Think about if you were someone who was watching this, if you were the disciples or someone in the crowd watching this take place. How you would go from like shock and awe that Jesus just wiped saliva filled mud on someone's eyes to, wow, this guy was blind and now he can see? That is incredible. Don't let the miracles pass by without awe and wonder. So many times we do this as Christians. Especially in the church, something amazing happens, a miracle happens, someone's life is transformed, and we just go along. Yay, Jesus. Can't wait for the next week for church. Like, these are moments when we celebrate, these are moments when, like, time stands still. Someone's life was completely transformed. Let's celebrate, church. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him, in verse 8, they'd formerly seen him begging, asked this, Isn't this the same man that used to sit and beg? Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud, put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Salem and get washed. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? He goes, I don't know. I love that in immediately there's all these questions surrounding this experience, which I think is normal, right? Someone goes from being blind to being able to see. There's going to be some questions. His friends and neighbors gather around. Is this the guy that used to sit on the outside the gate begging? Is this the guy that, that was blind his whole life? Like, yeah, it is. Ah, I don't know. I, I think it might look like him. It, it might be another guy. Let's go check and see if he's still there begging. He's not. Oh man, this must be him. Who did this to you? I don't know. I was blind. <laughs> I got some mud in my eyes, and then this is this guy named Jesus. He told me to go to the pool, I went to the pool, and now I can see, but I don't know what he looks like. I don't know where he is. And then the Pharisees catch wind of this. And I think naturally, they start investigating what is going on here? Is this a real thing? How did this happen? These are all questions that you and I would have. There's the, the, the posture of when a miracle happens, just believing it and celebrating it and praising God for it. And then there's the other more skeptical side of going, huh, we need to check and see if this really happened. And honestly, as the church, as people that are following Jesus, we need to have both perspectives, Right? We need to meet that miracle with praise and awe and wonder. But I do think there needs to be a, a shred of, hey, let's check out to see if this is real. I think you probably find yourself in one of those camps that you naturally are inclined to do, right? Right? Some of us are inclined to celebrate and just believe and go for it. And then others of us are sitting back going, Is this real? Did that just happen? This guy was blind. Now he can see. Like, there's all sorts of questions I have about that. The Pharisees start investigating, they're asking questions. In 17, they said, finally, they turned to the blind man. What have you to say about Jesus? It was your eyes who he opened. And they're asking all these people, and now they say, what do you say about him? He opened your eyes. What do you say about him? And his answer was, he's a prophet. And they weren't happy with that answer. No, 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 you must not know what you're talking about. Or maybe, of course, you were the beneficial, uh, beneficiary of the miracle, so of course you're going to say something, but that can't possibly be who Jesus is. So they ask more questions, they go to the man's parents. Was he really blind? Like they're checking out all the aspects, all the angles of this story. And then they eventually find themselves back to the man in verse 24, a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, and now I see. Pharisees are asking all sorts of questions. Is this man this man claims to be the son of God. This man claims to have this power. Is he really that? See the Pharisees are caught up in a big theological discussion. A claim about who Jesus is. What's the guy in the pool say. <laughs> Listen, I, I I don't know. You guys are arguing, you guys are upset about this, you guys are trying to figure this out, you're trying to dissect this, you're trying to figure out if A plus B equals C, you're trying to figure all this stuff out, and here's what I know I was sitting on the road blind. Now, after an encounter with Jesus, now I can see. What's your I was blind and now I can see story? If you're following Jesus in this room, which some of you may not be, but if you're following Jesus in this room, I'm pretty sure you have a I was blind, and now I see. This was life before I encountered Jesus, and now I see life differently. What's your I was blind? blind, but now I see story. Maybe you're sitting in the room and you're like, I don't know if I have that story. I'm not there yet. Maybe you're still lost. Maybe you're still blind. Maybe you're in the place where Jesus is putting mud on your eyes. Like maybe you're in the place where Jesus already put mud on your eyes, but you still have to walk to the pool. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like there's this time in our life when we're experiencing Jesus, but there are still continued steps of faith to take. Because that's an interesting part of the story, isn't it? Jesus puts mud on his eyes, and then the man has to take a journey. He wasn't healed immediately. He had to take the steps of faith to go to the pool, to be obedient, to follow Jesus, to where Jesus called him to go. And then he experienced healing. So I think it's entirely possible for us to be in this room having experienced Jesus, having Jesus wipe the mud on our eyes and still be in the journey of taking the steps of faith towards healing. Is that where you're at? Sometimes as Christians I feel like we neglect that part of the journey. And And if we're honest, that part of the journey is one that we are always on, isn't it? We've encountered Jesus, we have mud on our eyes, and we're still taking the steps of faith to the pool to be healed, to be transformed, to be renewed in our thinking and in our living. Many of us are in this place where we're hoping, we're waiting, we're trusting, we're praying. We're taking one step in front of the other in obedience, in following Jesus. And if that's where you're at this morning, I want to encourage you, keep going. Because there's a whole room of people that are walking along with you. In steps of faith to the pool to be healed. Maybe you're sitting in this morning, you're going, man, I, I, I experienced Jesus. I had them out of my eyes. I took the walk to the pool. I took the steps of obedience to go to the pool. And I came out of the pool clean. I came out of the pool transformed. I came out of the pool changed, transformed mentally, physically. You were lost, but now you are found. You were blind, and now you see. And this is what I would challenge you with. If you're in that place where you're out of the pool, you are now living with Jesus, you are healed, you're transformed, we're all in this continual place of healing and transformation. But if you found yourself, if you would classify yourself as I'm out of the pool, I experienced Jesus, I'm out of the pool, then here's what you need to do. Share it. Share it: share your story. Share your story. I was blind, and now I see. See so here's the thing that's interesting. I think people get hung up a lot on theology, on knowing the right answers, on responding the correct way, and all those things scare people from sharing the good news of Jesus right? I don't want to, I don't know how many conversations I've had. Well, go talk to your coworker about Jesus. I don't want, this is going to be awkward. This is going to be weird. I don't have the right responses. I don't have the theological framework to really answer their questions, or they're going to challenge me, and I'm not going to know what to say, and I don't know, isn't a, isn't a good enough answer for me? Like, I got to answer everything. Here's the key. If you answer everything, where is Jesus? Where is there room for Jesus, And and if this guy can share, why can't you? This guy wasn't following Jesus. This guy didn't attend the seminary class to have the theological framework. This guy didn't outline the the points of the Gospel of John and be able to explain the flow and, and all the things accurately. This guy said one thing in response to people questioning him. People asking, Who is this Jesus? I don't think he is who he says he is. What do you think? And this guy goes, I don't know. I don't really care because I was blind and now I see. That's my story. That's what you have to share. How do you see now after following Jesus? You've got a story. Live it, share it. You're called to open your mouth and begin conversations. Or take familiar conversations to a deeper level and center them on Jesus. See, we are called to be light as Jesus was light, right? Like, I think that was something that Jesus said. You're called to be the salt and light of the world. Just as I am, not in your own power, but in my power, through the Holy Spirit, this is what you are called to be in this world. We are called to live this faith out, to lift the gospel out, to live this fact out that I was blind and now I see. We are called to talk to others about the gospel. We were once dead, and now we're alive. I think this is one of the key ways that we participate in the kingdom of God. Here's the other beautiful thing about this story. Um... They didn't treat the the guy well after this story, right? If you read on, he's not treated well, like they insult him. Some may say he's persecuted in this story. He then goes and talks to Jesus and has a conversation. But I don't know that the guy cared about that. Like sometimes we worry that our story isn't going to be enough. Or or as we walk along people in their life, like us loving them as Jesus loves us isn't going to be enough. And here's the thing. We have our part. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has his part. We're not called to worry about his part. We are called to be obedient and faithful in our part. To share the good news of Jesus. To give testimony. To tell our story. Here's how I was blind, and now I see. This is what Jesus has done in my life. And here's the awesome news. No one can touch your story because it's your story. Well, I don't think that's the way it happened. (laughs) Who cares? That's the way it happened. That's how I met Jesus. That's how I went from being blind to now I can see. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what God thinks and what God has done in your life. That's what matters. The rest is his part. Because Jesus was working, Holy Spirit is working before you told your story to that person. Before you were sharing life to that person, there is a reason why that person is in your atmosphere. And it's Jesus' job to do the heartwork work and the transformation after that person hears your story the blind guy still had an option after Jesus wiped mud on his eyes, right? Like he had an option to just stay where he was. He had an option to go home and just wash his mud off in his sink. That's a whole nother sermon in a whole nother place. But he chose to be obedient and Faithful. And then he chose to tell his story when people asked. In Peter, it says, as you follow Jesus, always be prepared for someone to ask you about the reason you're living the way that you're living. And if nobody's asking you why you're living the way you're living, maybe that's a red flag and something you should look into. Always be ready to tell your story. I was blind and now I see. So worship team is gonna come up and I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you that if you're the blind man and maybe you're waiting for Jesus to wipe some mud on your eyes, or maybe you have eyes uh, mud wiped on your eyes and you're, you're on your way to the pool taking steps of faith and obedience, just hoping and praying. Jesus transforms your life. Here's my encouragement to you. Keep going. And lean on your brothers and sisters that are here in the church. So don't hesitate to ask for people to be along with you on The journey, because it can be a long walk to the pool. And there's times you might be tempted to give up. And we need community to keep us going. Maybe even to carry us as we're on the way. But if you've been transformed, if you know Jesus, if you're following Jesus, I want to challenge you, share it. In whatever way Jesus has wired you up, share it. And this is what I want to challenge you to do. Pick three people. Three people in your life that Jesus has brought around you that don't know him. And figure out how to share your story with them. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, man, I don't know three people that don't know Jesus. All I have are Christ following Christians around me. This is my challenge. Pray that the Holy Spirit would bring some people into your life. Still pick three people, but they can be faceless people. But pray. And I think Jesus will bring people in your life. And if you're sitting here, you're like, I'm surrounded by all Christian people, maybe this is your invitation that you need to get out into the world a little bit more. Because we need some more light in the world. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we ask that this story would sit in our minds and our hearts. That there's first an invitation for you to transform us and to heal us. And that we would take the steps of faith and obedience. And that we would share our story with others. That you would put people in our lives that need to hear your truth, your gospel. Our world is desperate. And Jesus, help us realize that this is the way that we participate in the kingdom coming. We're going to sing a song called Heaven Breaks Through. Jesus I pray you hope you help us realize that as we follow you as we share our story with others that is heaven breaking through amen let's stand